Hey guys, it's Francis here from the Grove Street Journal podcast. I wanted to preface today's episode with a very quick message. Do not worry, it is not an ad. I wanted to let you know that we have moved the podcast over to a service called Anchor. So don't worry, it's still going to be available to listen on all of the usual platforms. However, using Anchor, you can now listen to the app from your smartphone by downloading the Anchor app. And even better, you can actually record a voice message for me up to a minute in length with questions, comments, suggestions, anything that you would like. And I can actually play that in the next episode. So jump on the app, have a listen, and uh, please record a message. We'd love to hear from you, and we will feature it on the next episode of the podcast. All right, hope you enjoy today's episode. about having porridge every morning but because I, I, I knew I was going to get up early this morning I, I had some uh, some cereal some Jordan's country crisp I believe it was good nice yeah it's good oh, yeah. I've had that before strawberry it's very nice <laughs> but no I'm, I'm completely massively addicted to porridge actually I can't not have it yeah yeah I love it it really just fills me up like nothing else it makes me feel good and it's like one of those slow release energy things isn't it it's slow release and I also heard recently that actually has statin-like properties that the, fib- the fibres in it are so like dense that they penetrate down into your liver and bust all the fat in there and it's just, for real yeah. so it can help me lose some of that like, basically weight. I think yeah if you as part of a low calorie diet so probably good oh, yeah see that's the small friend that they always <laughs> yeah. get me on that's right you know like low calories I've, uh, I've cut out the, the cow juice as well in, in, with my porridge and I've, I've gone to almond milk and awesome. much prefer that. Yeah. So much better, yeah. And yeah, it's, see, I, I prefer the taste of the, like, I use Doom. almond milk, sorry, and oat milk is yeah. what I really like for like, my coffees and yeah. I would never go back to and yeah. all of the obvious reasons, yeah. but also the taste, I prefer the taste. Yeah, weirdly, I, I actually had to train myself to like almond milk. I didn't like it to begin with, I found it too nutty. Now I absolutely love the nut, which is weird. It kind of it makes made me realise that you can just persevere with food you don't like, you end up liking it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like the body adapts really quickly. Like yeah. I did the same thing with trying to cut out sugar from my coffee, from like my morning coffee. Yeah. So you just think that's a quick way you can just yeah, knock have off. a little bit less sugar. Yeah. And so like the first few days were awful. So I decided, okay, I'm not gonna just go to cold turkey, but you kind yeah. of wean yourself off it a little bit less each day. Yeah. And you know, the first few times you have it without any sugar, it doesn't taste great. You don't particularly mm. enjoy it. But literally two, three days afterwards, you're already starting to be used to it. Yeah. And for the first time, you feel like you can actually taste the coffee as it, you know, as, as it should be. Intended. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to dump in like a load of extra stuff to bring out these kind pointless of pointless empty calories. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I bet if you had a sweet coffee now, it'd be pretty disgusting. Like, yeah, you'd yeah. be like, whoa, yeah. what is this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chemical coffee, yeah. Totally, yeah, <laughs> so no, it's, it's good. So, um, Roger, thank you very much for coming on the Grey Street Journal podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we finally made yeah. it happen. Because you've been in London for, was it the right the right show? Oh, is it the, the right stuff, yeah. The right stuff. Always wanted to, to go and see it being filmed, and yeah, I've got a seat on the audience today, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Got to meet the man himself, Matthew Rotten, his penultimate day because he's leaving leaving the show tomorrow. So yeah, it's very cool. It's good. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. So uh, had some fun chatting about 
Yeah, they, annoyingly they didn't uh, bring up cannabis. They, they did, well, they touched on it, but they didn't go to the audience for, for any comments. I did, uh, there's a, the, the girl, like Storm is the, is the kind of girl that goes around and speaks to people on the phone and stuff. And oh, right, I, I so did they've tap got on, someone there, so the, the audience, the live audience can interact. Exactly, and, yeah. I, and I did ask her if they're taking comment, but she said no, so oh, I tried. Um, yeah, next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, cannabis has been a lot in the news of late. It's been getting a lot of press. It does seem to be. Billy Caldwell. Yeah, um, big story know. at the moment. Yeah, so her mother, his mother's been, you know, desperately trying to change the Home Office's view on, on cannabis as a medicine because you know, Billy has um, epilepsy and my understanding is he was uh, on the daily medication and his supplies were running out and uh, his mother Charlotte said, no, I'm going to, yeah, very brave, she said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go and get some medicine yeah. from, uh, you know, a, a medicinal facility that is doing or that has done a study that shows this cannabis medicine is effective for the type of epilepsy that my boy has. So she went to Canada, she picked up a load of uh, tinctures, a load of cannabis oils yeah. um, to treat Billy with, flew, flew back yesterday morning into Heathrow and declared them. Did it all above board, didn't she? she all did above it. board, yeah. yeah. And uh, of course, you know, they, they confiscated the medicine. Um, and the Home Office just put out, you know, uh, some meaningless kind of speech yeah. about sympathising with, you know, with Billy. She doesn't want to break, break the law, does she? That's the bottom line. She doesn't want to break the law, and why should she? And nor should she have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really, it's a tough one. And, you know, I almost think it was pretty, they, they were always going to confiscate it because, you know, that... It was their duty. They have to kind of abide and, and mm. uphold the law. Yeah. So I don't think they have much choice. And potentially, I think, uh, you know, people may have been hoping, but I think that was going to be the usual outcome. Mm. But even so, I think the amount of like publicity, press, and pressure that it's putting on the government yeah. is extraordinary. I mean, she went to the Home Office, didn't she, the other day? She did. Yeah, yeah she was there that same yeah. day. Yeah. You know, in the afternoon, um, meeting with MPs, and and there's been a bit of a, a rally as well. Um, I'd encourage everyone to write to their local MP about this while it's in the news, mm. while it's got momentum. Um, there's actually a great online um, tool you can use. I can't remember the name of it. You can just Google there, kind of you know, find my, my local MP. Yeah. There's a great service that you just put in your postcode and it gives you basically the email address of your local MP. Yeah. So you can write to them. It can be it can take one minute and just say, uh, hello, Mr. or Mrs. Local MP. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you will have seen Billy Caldwell in the press. Um, he had his medicine confiscated. Please, can we stop this silliness? Mm. You know, cannabis is a medicine. There are countless scientific research studies uh, backing up that statement. Um, you know, we would like access to this medicine right now. Like, please, yeah. can you, please, can you help? Represent. It makes you think about how many poor epileptic children with this condition have just gone by the wayside and suffered and been prescribed horrendous drugs to, to try and control it that don't really work and just actually make things worse. Like the first time I, this kind of this story, not this particular story, but the whole epilepsy topic, kind of came to my attention was in the, the film Culture High, which uh, was. Have you seen that? I think I do. It rings a bell. Yeah, it was basically. They, they focused on a, a kid in the US who had this, the same very you know, serious case of epilepsy who was on all kinds of horrific medication to try and control it. And actually, when he got the, 
the cannabis, cannabis oil, of course, of course it worked perfectly. But then they, they had the problem of trying to get him off all this horrific medication that they had him on to try and control the seizures that didn't work. And they actually were worse than the seizures. So it's, it's crazy that there's this silver bullet that actually works that people aren't getting. Yeah, yeah, you're totally yeah. right. And, and you mentioned like the side effects and that's such an interesting thing to me, right? Like the side effects for cannabis, even at massively high doses, are very small, you know, insignificant, mm. minor side effects, you know? Like you, you might feel a, bit, feel a bit spaced out, you might just go to sleep, you might get the munchies and eat, those general kind of things, yeah. you know. Not particularly unpleasant side effects. No. No. Whereas a lot of these pharmaceutical drugs, you know, like you say, they can be worse than the thing it's treating. And you read in the side effects, you know, often it's like antidepressants, like side effects, mm. like hearing suicidal thoughts. <laughs> Really? Yeah. How is that? That's, yeah. That's treating depression. You know, it's yeah. yeah. It's it's a rabbit hole, and mm. um, it's pretty pretty scary. But I think we're on the right path with you know more and more people. I don't know about you, but you know within my circle of people, and I I know many many people that don't smoke cannabis or don't really use cannabis, or they may have tried it once or twice. So. Mm really sympathetic to the cause because they've heard about something on TV or they've they've seen something or yeah. you know, like the, the example of Billy yeah. um, and they've got compassion towards that. I don't think I don't think I know anyone that would wants cannabis to, to remain illegal apart from maybe my dad but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I don't think like all of my friends you know even even the ones that never touched it mo- mo- most of them most of them, like, we all tried it as... I'm a, little bit, I'm a little bit older than you, and a lot of my friends have kind of, you know, knocked it on the head as, as they've got older, I, for, for varying different reasons. Um, but all of them would, would definitely be up for legalising it still, because they know that it's less harmful than alcohol, um, and it's, you know, on the grand scale of things, it's, I don't really think there are many harms to it at all, actually. No. No. And the positives are, you know, yeah. a huge, huge list. Yeah. You know, you'd have huge. to have a great long sheet of hemp paper to write out all of the <laughs> medicinal and practical applications. Indeed. To the, you know, that would, that it's got to its name, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, that, that brings us to kind of why we're, we're talking. Like, because I saw a news article about you, um, branded the, the Healthy Stoner. Yeah, healthy stoner, not the healthy stoner. Sorry, but, yeah. yeah. Like I'm not saying I'm the Facebook a... right now, not that off. Yeah, yeah. I'm healthy stoner. Yeah, a healthy stoner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, you know, you're yeah, okay, but more healthy than a lot of us. I think the me by the sounds of <laughs> your cycling escapades, well, which sound very impressive. <laughs> I've just, for me, exercise and cannabis have just always gone together really, really well. They've just, it's always worked for me. Um, ever since, I think. Went back to to moving to to Bristol for uni back in the early two thousands. Met some friends there. We all liked riding our bikes and getting stoned, and we just would go out on our bikes, smoke spliffs, and and explore Bristol. And it were magic times, you know. Like it was it was fantastic. And since then, really, I just that solidified the magic of riding my bicycle whilst stoned. Which it's a beautiful thing. And um, it's whilst a lot of people would say, "Hang on, is that not a bit dangerous?" You know, you. You're under the influence of drugs. You're you can't be in charge of a bicycle. I don't find it to be in any way, you know. I find it to be performance enhancing. In fact, I think I'm a safer cyclist when I when I ride my bike. Wow. I, I realise I'm going off on a tangent here a little bit, but no, no, no. Yeah. I yeah, I, I do find that I'm kind of tuned into what I'm doing. I'm fully aware of what's going on around me. Nice. And I'm so more I, cautious I think that's actually. Such well. an interesting topic 
with sport and mm. cannabis yeah. because it's not something I would have you know associated going well together. People don't. But yeah. But yeah but you know from what you've said I've seen on the news we've, you've got athletes I think from the NBA recently a few, yep. years ago, a few weeks back yep. saying they medicate and they know a load of those top tier athletes that are medicating with cannabis yep. sometimes before after so for you what's what's the difference how does it differ from like a stone cycle ride versus sober okay um, well I for me riding stoned it kind of so cycling is is hard work. You know, it's it's enjoyable. It's it's nice. You it's you know, but at times, you know, if you're climbing a big mountain or you know, you're just on a, a busy road all day, it can be hard work. And for for me, cannabis just kind of elevates me above the above the physical discomfort of the, of the exercise. Um, it frees my mind. It, I, I would I generally have a bit of music on at the same time when I'm riding and get into that. Um, and I don't know. I just I just find it kind of an ethereal experience to be riding my bike, and I kind of you can kind of zone out of having the, of the bike being under you, and just you kind of like I find it like you're gliding along and like just flying along a little bit, like just gliding along the surface of the earth on this metal frame. <laughs> Sounds amazing, and I totally kind of feel you on that. I yeah. you know I think I'd be the exact same. I I think the only reason I'm probably a little more apprehensive about it is purely my my circumstance of living you know reasonably central yeah. London you know like a couple of zones out um, so for me it's kind of like when I'm on the road I I'm just I'm just cautious not because of myself just because of other drivers in London can be kind of busy but yeah so I'm really lucky I often just cycle up to go to the local swimming pool in Stratford mm. and the cycle is amazing because one or two minutes and I'm on the greenway which is just a lovely Perfect. path no roads then it's like yeah I can be stoned listening to music and I just absolutely get into the the experience and the present moment of cycling and love yeah. it but then like as soon as I'm on the road for me I'm like oh god yeah <laughs> I've got to be super alert and just yeah. looking for cars and well yeah I, just, I, I do find it makes me more cautious I'm I'm I, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not. I don't get stressed. I just, you know, if, if the red light's red, I'll just buy and I'll just wait. That's cool. I don't mind. You know, um, yeah. I, I do find that it's it just, you know, takes the edges off a lot of things, and, and cycling is one of them. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's, it's talking about. I think it's, it's time for a, a vape. Good, yeah. good plan, mate. I'm gonna load mine up. <laughs> so is this? So you've got this? Uh, it's like an air riser. Uh, portable. Yeah, this is the Solo Two. So you is take the, is that the kind of one that you take on your on yeah your rides? The good people at Arise posted this to me in uh, in Australia. Wow, <laughs> which wow, is nice. Great. They was waiting for me in a, a campsite in a place called Esperance in Australia. Awesome care <laughs> yeah. package. <laughs> yeah, it's good to receive. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so this is this is the one. I, yeah, I had this one with me. Um, it's, it's low maintenance, which is quite good. Like you, the the actual unit you don't have to really do anything with it's just a piece of glass that you need to clean every now and again but even that you just you know when you when you're traveling on your bicycle or living in a tent you can just boil some water pull it through it pour it through it and it's clean so right, perfect it's pretty easy yeah low maintenance then yeah battery lasts a good amount of time yeah that's the other thing as well actually the battery is is a good lasts a good you know you can get a couple of days out of that which uh when you're 
wild camping in the middle of nowhere is what you want. Mm. So have you always vaped or were you used, like how has your consumption method kind of evolved over time? Yeah, so uh, I was always more of a bonger than a spliffer, to be honest. <laughs> always loved my bonger, carried a bong around for many years. <laughs> they're not the most portable of items. No, they're not. I was <laughs> known. commitments to the bong cause. Yeah. <laughs> People would always always ask me where my bong was, and I'd generally <laughs> pull it out of my bag and I'd have a bong. But um, yeah, like, and then I went through a kind of period of wanting to stop smoking bongs, but like, not kind of fully giving up. So I didn't. So I do buckets quite a lot, which uh, well, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah it's very nice. A bucket's where you get a bucket of water, or you can do it in the sink, and you get a bottle, and you chop the bottle, the end of the bottle, put some tin foil in it. And then you kind of use the vacuum effect of the water to pull the smoke through. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Low tech. Very low tech. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> but again, not particularly good for your lungs. So uh, it got to the point where I'd heard about vaporization for, uh, for a few years. And I'd, this is around 2012, um, 2013 is when I... No, 2012 when I bought my the Volcano, the first one I bought. 2012, so that's still pr- pretty early in the days of vaping, right? Probably. You must have been probably a reasonably early adopter. Reasonably, yeah. Amongst my friends I was, uh, anyway. But um, there were... I, th- I think the Volcano had been out for a good 10 years before that, though. So, like, you know... The, Gosh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have been on it a lot earlier. Yeah. But it's one of those things that, you you know, didn't want to spend money on it. It seems like a lot of money. Now I realise totally it's worth every penny. investment, right? An investment in your health. That's how I taught myself into buying expensive gadgets. Yeah. It's an investment. Yeah, but, it it, you know, it is. It's giving well, it's it's me my lungs back, basically. Yeah. That's how I feel. So did you notice a big difference? Definitely, a huge difference. Like, you know, I'd been smoking. I probably started... When I was 18, 19, sort of, you know, seriously. And then, so what, till 32? So, you know, over 10 years of smoking a lot daily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could feel it. I was, I was still exercising all the time, you know, still bike riding, running, but I could feel it, you know, I could feel my lungs were tight. I feel, just feel odd feelings that didn't really, that started to worry me a little bit. Um, when you were smoking bongs and so, were you always, was it always just pure cannabis? Did you ever mix tobacco or anything like that? I would smoke joints with tobacco, yeah. But bongs, no. I, well, early days I would because it was hash and we used to mix make yeah. hash mixes. But uh, no, generally as time went on, no, it was bong, just pure. See, uh, for me, it's like yeah. the interesting thing is that the the evidence, all the evidence points to the tobacco being a real killer. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what causes lung cancer. And in England and in Europe, the kind of uh, custom is to have tobacco in with your joints, right? It is. Whereas it's not as popular in, in North America. Oh, that's, that smells lovely and mm. fragrant, doesn't it? Yeah. Very nice. Um, yeah, so if I, it, it's crazy that that's, you know, that's the legal part. But mm. even smoking pure cannabis in a joint is far, far favourable to putting tobacco in there. Yeah. You know, like the smoking and combusting yeah. in a spliff like cannabis, there, there is no link between that and lung cancer. So that's just the tobacco. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a strange culture we've got in this country of, uh, of mixing with tobacco. I reckon it, it stems back to probably, well, when I first started smoking, it was all we could get in this country was soap bar, you know? You just get the, the old blocks of hash that reportedly came in in the fuel tanks of tankers. That's what I was always told. You just find bits of plastic in there. And so, of course, we rolled it up with tobacco because that's really the only way you can smoke it unless you put it in a pipe. So I reckon maybe that's why we why we, do, we mix it. 
nice. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very nice type. Like very yes. smooth, but a uh, nice vapor production as well, and yeah. uh, get the flavors through. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. I'm gonna have to check them out. Well, I've, a few of my friends have used that as a second thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good little bit of kit. It's good yeah. weed as well. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> yeah. <does> help. <laughs> So you made the, the move over to vapes and like ne- never looked back. Yeah, basically, yeah. I've, I've, I've because I, my first vaporizer was a volcano. I think that helped because it gives you the big hit. Kind of, it's almost thick enough to be smoke kind of thing. Yeah. So for me, giving up smoking that kind of helped. Now, yeah. if I'd gone straight to one of these, I probably would have struggled, I think. Although I think the vapor production in that still seems pretty significant. True. Um, yeah. I think the most common problem that people have you know going from spliffs to, to vapes is the vapor production because there's I think something psychologically mm. almost about having that smoke come out of your like inhaling something permeable that you can That's true. You can see there's something to that that people miss if they don't have it for me it was I, mi- I remember missing the hit on my lungs which is actually the, that's what's doing your damage right that's the that's the feeling of your lungs being damaged but I, I, I missed that because you don't get you don't feel that with vapour which it turns out is a good thing because it's not it's not hurting your lungs yeah but yeah that's it was a strange psychological thing that I missed that feeling of slight pain <laughs> but now I don't at all well yeah, yeah as we were talking about earlier right your body kind of gets used to it yeah exactly and, uh, yeah. adjusts yeah so. re-collaborates kind of thing yeah. yeah yeah so that's good so so you always cycled when you were you were younger and then a little while ago and the reason I saw you mentioned as the, the healthy stoner in the news articles was um, you know, you'd done a rather Sizable bike ride, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. Yeah, well, so I'd always loved cycling, always loved cannabis, done a fair bit of backpacking as well in, in my time. So combining the three to, to make a kind of cannabis bike, bicycle road trip, international, yeah, stoner fest was basically a no brainer. <laughs> that was an idea. And that yeah. was the plan, yeah. yeah. So I spent uh, sort of probably about seven years seven to ten years boring my friends about it talking about it all the time and they were like for god's sake just get on with it and do it so then you know a couple of years saving up getting all the kit together and yeah left uh august 2015 from uh, newcastle oh so from newcastle started wow. in newcastle st- started on a charity ride uh, for palestine actually uh, how, how long was the charity ride the charity ride was down to london uh, so, oh gosh, like quite a few hundred yeah, miles. Newcastle to London, yeah, I think it's like 300 odd. Yeah. And it was just really, I, you know, I'm not used to riding in a big rolling protest basically of like 100 people, you know, which was great actually. That was that was real, real nice way to, to start things off. My granddad was a Geordie and I'd never been to Newcastle, so another reason to go. Cool, it's a lovely city. I went to university Did you? in Newcastle and yeah. people are friendly and really nice. It's a beautiful place and yeah. I like it there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so all right. So you started off from Newcastle, cycled down to London. Yeah. And then you just Basically, when everyone else stopped, you kept going. Essentially, yeah. I stayed stayed with friends in London that night, and then carried on to to Portsmouth. Uh, got the ferry over to Cherbourg, uh, and then set off down through France. Unfortunately, five days in, I did manage. I had a so I was in a campsite. Turns out the the most difficult, the most dangerous part of the cycling wasn't actually the cycling, but the campsite. So I was in a campsite. I had a brand new. Gerber pen knife that a friend had bought me and I had a, a packet of Twix, some camembert and an avocado to, uh, to have for dinner. So I thought I'll have the avocado first and opening it up in my hand, 
cut through my uh, my pinky. Oh no! Severed the tendon, uh, nerve. I was bleeding all over the place and had to go to um, the hospital. Randomly, hospitals in France all specialise in different things, and the hospital right next to Angers Hospital specialises in hands, <laughs> which is a bit uh, of a silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got operation, operated on the next day, which was a Sunday, by the best hand surgeon in France. Oh my gosh. Which is a bit of luck. luck. But then, so I thought I'd be back on the bike the next day, but he was like, no, no, sorry, you've done the tendon, you can't cycle for six weeks. So that was pretty devastating at the time. But, it, you know, it was a setback. Uh, I was, what I was doing was heading down to Ibiza to, to meet some friends there. So I ended up leaving my bike with these lovely, this lovely couple who ran this campsite, uh, flying down to Ibiza, recovering there for six weeks, enjoying the, the really good cannabis scene there. And then, nice. and then coming up back, going back to um, Angers in, the, in sort of six weeks later in October to carry on. And that's what happened. Wow. So, I mean... <laughs> When you first done that, and you know, when you said six weeks, you must have felt pretty, pretty down about that. Must have been extremely disappointing. I mean, I'm, I don't cry easily, but yeah, I was crying. I was, <laughs> I worked towards that for you know for a long time. And five days into being out out of the country, I'd, I'd do that to myself. I was so angry at myself and yeah. so pissed off. Yeah. But was there a point where you were chilling out in Ibiza in the sun? maybe in a recliner, smoking some nice ganja, thinking, you know what, it's probably not the worst thing that's happened. 100%, yeah, it was great. It was, it was, <laughs> it was amazing, yeah. Nice. Uh, I, mean, I, wasn't, I was vaping, of course, I wasn't smoking, but it was, there was a really good, um, really good cannabis cafe there called Cloud, uh, and that was, you could only be a member if you were referred, but luckily one of my friends' brother had done a few seasons out there, got referred. Awesome. So just, yeah, pretty, pretty much went there every other day and uh, enjoyed the... the fruits of the legal or semi-legal yeah so what is the what's the deal out in spain there's a lot of stuff happening out there and i know there are, there are coffee shops and usually they're members only or referral yeah. ones but it's i'm not actually sure on the legality out there well i can't i'm not it may have changed since then but but then it was the case where it's not if it's in the privacy of your own home it's fine it's legal basically um out in the street it's illegal but uh, they were operating on this loophole where the, it was a private club. They'd done it so well that they, you had to you know, give your fingerprints, um, you had to you know, passport scan, fully, you know, cameras outside the, the building, and they would make, make it clear, don't loiter outside, just get in and out, kind of thing. You know, completely gave you, gave you a proper rundown when you became a member, but just really well done. I actually rated it much higher than a lot of the, the places you go to in Amsterdam because it may be a little bit run down now mm. it's all brand new really good extraction system so people were smoking in there but you couldn't really tell oh nice yeah all the concentrates for sale dabs I've tried dabs for the first time which is amazing how was that did you enjoy it yeah incredible yeah how was it how was it different for you like, what did you enjoy most about it um I guess because I've built up a bit of a tolerance over the years, it just cuts straight through that, and it's like you've stoned for the first time, like <laughs> yeah. giggling, giggling like an eighteen-year-old again. <laughs> Seriously, it's intense. Nice. Yeah. Have you yeah. tried it? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. only a couple of times. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I know a guy that um, grows. He works for a big grow facility, uh, one of the biggest in in North America, and I was. So I went to uni with his wife, and so we were all just catching up there. And he showed me around their, you know, their cannabis farm. Mm. And at the end of it, just you know, whapped out a little ball of this clear amber kind of 
golden looking Beautiful. ball of yeah and then yeah. you put it on the, the side of the glass after eating like the blowtorch and it, for me it was, this was a couple of years ago I'd never had anything like that and yeah. it was completely alien and, and a bit scary like yeah. a bit intimidating because you know smoking a joint it's nice it's all that like, natural but that for mm. me it was like it just seemed a little bit more scary I know what you mean um, but I trusted him and I was with a really good friend of mine that doesn't smoke cannabis but he was like yeah I'm up for this as well because when you explain what it is and it's just extracting all of the good compounds out of the plant and leaving the rest you know yeah. then it's not that scary like okay this, this should be nice and uh, gosh that you know that hit was just absolutely incredible yeah. and, and even my friend that's not a cannabis consumer he was like that was so good so <laughs> clean so balanced yeah. he's like I would just you know I could have that in the morning along with my, my cup of coffee mm. you know like to start the day right yeah. so we, we continued walking around that farm we were talking like business technology how like internet things and senses is going to be changing the way that um, cannabis growers grow their plants yeah. it's amazing conversations and you know, it was, it was that real clean, amazing yeah. balanced tie. I really enjoyed the the new ritual of it, like the like the blowtorch thing, like he- heating up the the end of the dab rig and, and then just sort of dabbing it on. Yeah, like a whole whole different routine, but one I could definitely get on board with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we digress back yeah. to uh, <laughs> back to the coffee shops oh, yes. in Spain. So they've got a real nice selection of, of concentrates. Right? Really, yeah, really nice. Yeah, selection of everything. They had some amazing super silver haze while I was there. No, hang on, super lemon haze. Oh, yeah. Absolutely delicious. Tastes like lemon meringue, meringue pie in the Beautiful. in the vaporizer. Really nice. Um, excellent selection of concentrates, uh, hash, and you know, sort of isolator stuff, and just nice, friendly people as well. Once you've been there for a while, get, get chatting to them, and yeah, it's a cool place. So I think actually, I think Bulldog have they sent me a, a message. Bulldog have just sort of bought it or something, or, or taken over it or something. Really? So, yeah. Cool. That's quite I, cool. You know, I really like the Bulldog, and you're right. The, the ones in Amsterdam, some of them are a bit hit and miss. I think you know. What I miss about the ones in Amsterdam, or what I would like to see, is some, and I struggle for the appropriate word to use here, but a lot of the ones that I go to there are just, they're small, cramped, too busy, Mm. and so like lots of people close to each other, and when I'm I'm going in public, especially in public somewhere that I'm not familiar with and I'm getting high, I want to be in an atmosphere that makes me feel calm, yeah. comfortable, you know, it's like atmospheric. Mm. And I just feel like a lot of the coffee shops are missing that. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they yeah, they need a little sort of re- refresh, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, although I'm sure that that is because I'm a tourist and mm. I don't know the best local spots because I'm, I'm sure there's really nice local spots. And, yeah. you know, obviously the centre and the bulldog there is it's all a tourist attraction but mm. having said that the bulldog um, coffee shop in Amsterdam Central that is my favourite place it? and that is kind of the base camp whenever we go there you yeah. know like you go and visit the different coffee shops get some different strains but we love coming back to that big communal area they've got like okay. they've got the bar they've got a few snooker tables and then just loads of like seating you know and it's nice. TV screens on music like all sorts Yeah. and that for me you know and it's a really good atmosphere everyone's cheery and nice Yeah. so that that's always like our kind of base of operations nice yeah. my, I've got one as well my, my base I 2006 I finished a job and just just about to start a job that I was in for a long time uh, 
a mate of mine who was living in Amsterdam um, invited me out there, so I stayed with him on a houseboat for two weeks, which is absolutely amazing, like a Dutch barge thing. But he lived right around the corner from a coffee shop called Greenhouse, and it's a really small little, cool, really small little one. But that's I love that one because that was I was there for two weeks, and I'd always that was kind of go there for coffee and you know a smoke back in those days. But yeah, that's so that's my kind of home cafe. Awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to find your little. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good place. Like, yeah. I just can't even imagine what it would be like to have coffee shops like that in, oh. in the UK. You know, it, uh, it hasn't quite been normalised to that level yet. No, it hasn't. But I think we're on the right track. I think we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, we are. It's a demographic thing more than anything, I think. Like, you know, how, I'm, I'm 37. How old are you? I am 28. 28, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I... Anyone my age and below, really, I think, we're all kind of on the same page with weed now. I'm probably 10 years older than me, actually, as well. Like, yeah. It's that, you know, so we're kind of getting getting through the people that want, want it to stay illegal. So you're like, saying, like, the, the demographic's starting to get older than that, the ones that... I, I, yeah, I would, I would probably... I mean, this is just... This is not I based don't. on... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I would, yeah, I think probably the people that want it to stay illegal are a little bit older, probably. My experience aligns with that as well. Yeah. Um, although I will say I've seen a big upward trend in that, that group of people um, changing their opinion about it, about cannabis. And the reason for it is balm, like hemp balms. Right. Um, Obviously, the older generation are more prone to, to be suffering from things like arthritis and sore limbs and sore okay. bodies. And oh my gosh, so you know, I, the amount of people in that age demographic I've met that I've talked to, they've discovered hemp balms and started using them. They're just like, I can't believe it. Just you just rub it on your skin. It gets rid of all the pain. And like, why aren't they prescribing this on the NHS? You know, and that suddenly. I'm not even aware of this, mate. To be honest, I've never tried a hemp balm. I'm gonna have to you know, I, look I've that got up. one right yeah, here yeah. for you to, to sample and take away. Uh, yeah, there you go. I mean, that'd be great on the road. Yeah. Nice. They're really cool. They're um, they're great. They help with a lot of different things. It's just like my go-to. Amazing thing, right? And it's can it's I, crazy. I can have this. That's yours. That's Thank you yours. very much, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming along, yeah. Um, yeah, hemp, the hemp stuff's great, you know, and it's just mad. But when you get into it, the amount of things that you could be using hemp for, right? Mm. Like, you could probably be cycling a hemp bike. I don't know if that's been done before. I know hemp cars have been done, so I don't know, you know, it might not be the best bike. I don't see why not. I think you, you could. Somebody should do that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's the, <laughs> that could be the new thing. Yeah. Um, you know, hemp. You can build with it. Like I yeah. was literally, I was on a hempcrete building course last weekend down in Brighton. Amazing. And I made a wall made of hemp. Took the forming off after half an hour, and the wall is like you can is there and it's wow. setting. You know, yeah. and it's vapor permeable. So unlike cement, where you can get um, the moisture as the humidity rises in the room from yeah. people breathing, living in there, whatever, the moisture can't. Um, go through mm. the the wall, so you get so that doesn't let much. So you get condensation, yeah. which is the precursor to mold. Right. Whereas hempcrete actually absorbs the moisture into it, and then um, when the the humidity in the room is low, it just lets the moisture back out, so it self-regulates the temperature of the room. That sounds pretty much the perfect wall, right? It's yeah. awesome. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you've got yeah, you've got your balms, you've got your oils. You've got the leaves, which you can put into your um, morning smoothie, and they're incredibly nutritious. Yeah. The seeds, they're incredibly nutritious. Yeah. 
put them in, press them into a, a cooking oil. The clothes, you know, have you ever worn hemp clothes? I haven't, no. I need They're to. so comfy. I've got a top upstairs. I'll, I'll show it to you yeah. after this. And it's, you know, it's so nice. It's the first time I've really worn hemp. It's really comfy, keeps you very warm, um, but it's still quite breathable. The thing I was amazed of, and I probably shouldn't admit this over the podcast, but yeah, I was just kind of like out and about, I was hardly home. I think I ended up wearing this this like top for something like five, six days. I almost like in a row, like, you know, it was crazy. And smelling it, yeah, and by the way, this time I was like camping, I was by like campfires. This thing should have been really stinky. Yeah. And it smelled like fresh. It, I don't know how it how that happened yeah. but like you know it just like if that was cotton it would like, stink yeah. that's going straight in the wash but I did still wash it <laughs> but you know I was just really surprised that mm. it just still didn't really seem to have any like smell lingering on it that's know? impressive yeah um, all these bloody uses so many yeah, yeah it's fantastic you can be pretty sustainable and get a lot of use out of like that plant. It's probably a lot bit. yet to be discovered as well, right? Like if it was legal, then we could fully exploit it. And, you know what? You're yeah. absolutely right. Like yeah. this is the stuff that we only know about, and mm. it's been illegal for the last like eighty years or so. So yeah. once we actually are able to freely research it, then yeah, I think Who knows? it's going to be the limit. <laughs> absolutely. We're yeah. going to try this uh, this guy out. It's, I've been yeah. I've never seen anything like this, mate. This is very cool. Yeah, so it's, What's a, it called again? it's a company called Vapor Genie. So they're based in America, and most of their products are like this. So they're not—they're all vaporizers, but they're not battery operated. Mm. You operate it with a with a lighter, and well, char- charging batteries was the one thing I had to really be on when on, on my trip. So yeah. So how did you? Do it? Did you have like a solar panel or <laughs> lots of battery packs or? Well, nothing. I didn't have any vaporizers that I could charge from. Solar. I did have a dynamo. On, I've got a dynamo on my front wheel, which could char- nice. creates electricity. But that, that's for a USB. None of these are USB chargeable. So I had to. I'd have to. Just, I had enough. So I had two vaporizers with me. I also had the air, which um, has interchangeable batteries. I had four batteries for that. So this. So basically, between charges, I could probably. I could go about four to five days of, you know, solid vape, vaping as as much as I wanted to. Um, Without having to charge up. Oh, that's still, that's good. So that's fine, really. And, and actually, when you're when you when you're wild camping, and um, you know by day four you want to treat yourself to a, a campsite anyway, so have a shower, get everything charged up, and then go off into the bushes again. After yeah, that. <laughs> that's that's a really good shout. You know. Yeah. I, so you're every four or five days you're going into a campsite. But what are you doing? Sorry, in between, just like a so this is in Australia. This is I did a lot of wild camping there. So yeah, just I mean. You, the thing with Australia that you don't really realise until you start doing it is that the, the distance between places, between conurbations, is massive, and there, there just isn't anything between them quite often, like, unlike here. So yeah, you just got to load up for like a couple of days, food and water and stuff, and you've got everything. You just make sure you've got everything you need. So you're just camping in a forest in the middle wow. of nowhere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it, it seems similar to, to Canada in, in that regard, like the vastness of the the country, you know. And if you get lost to go in the wrong direction, actually, that can be really serious because you can keep going for a very long time and not see anything from civilization. Yes, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go into the interior of Australia, so, I mean, I, as long as I was, I generally was, had the coast on one side of me, I followed the coast around, but, um, yeah, I mean, across the Nullarbor, actually, that was the, the most sort of desolate place I, I went, went across, that was kind of like, I think it's about seven, seven service stations in about 
800 miles or something. Wow. So, yeah, you've got to be really prepared then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. You've got, you've got to respect nature, like, in these kind of scenarios, right? You do. Like, yeah, yeah, you do, yeah. I mean, I was cycling through it in winter, and it was still, like, 27 degrees. And if you go through there in summer, I mean, it's, it's very, it can be pretty dangerous. Like, people do, but it's, like, it gets up to sort of 50 sometimes, you know? Oh, to be yeah. cycling in that, yeah. you, you know, that must dangerous. be pretty, yeah, yeah. Because don't forget, all your water gets instantly hot as well. I was cycling in 40 degree heat in Greece, and your water, all your water just instantly goes like bath water, which is so just horrible basically to wow. drink. So Does that, that have any impact on like the nutritional value of the water, or is it just it just make it really? It definitely, well, it definitely makes it less. If it's it's not cooling you down at all, is it? Mm. I mean, it, it, it it's, you're sweating it out, so it is in that respect, but it's not offering any cooling. You know, it, it just yeah. doesn't feel right. What I, what I ended up doing was freezing a load of water, um, like the night before, wherever I was staying in the campsite, whatever, just asking if they had a freezer, and then that would just melt throughout the day. So I'd have cold water throughout oh, the day. Perfect. So yeah. I did that. Yeah. So that was that was the only thing you could do really. Yeah. 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 Tip. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that's that sounds very hot. And uh, one of the things about Australia is uh, obviously there's the wildlife out there is um, you know, somewhat more venomous and uh it's weird yeah got some weird animals over there yeah did you, uh, <laughs> did you have any encounters i was yeah i was cycling on once um in on a quite a dusty kind of that so i'd gone off there was an option to take the old road which was basically not tarmacked and across this marsh it was amazing beautiful but all of a sudden it's dusky i was heading to this uh, free campground so i knew i was i knew i was going to camp but it was uh, it was getting dark and all of a sudden this emu just bolts out of the bushes right in front of me and just sprints across no and they're such weird creatures yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up because uh, you, th- I was, that big? you imagine it's like uh, an ostrich which it is but how do you, how do you start just eat i think it's just the emu yeah Try to go too fancy and put a U on the end. They're, oh wow, they're like huge birds. They're, they're like ostrich, but odder. They're just very, very weird things. It, it looks. <laughs> that must have been really scary. That just jumping out of the edge. Yeah, I mean, oh. yeah, because there's, there's something else called a cassowary, which I didn't see, but they they get actually aggressive. They're similar things, but they they get aggressive. Um, but this no, it was just it was a beautiful, just yeah, a beautiful moment. Was it was it paying any attention to you? Or? It, it, what struck me by it, it had this massive. I don't know if it's like its eye just looked absolutely massive on the side of its head, and it didn't break contact with mine the, the whole time. It was really disconcerting. I, I think that I need to look it up. I, I think it may have been like its feathers that made it look like it had a big eye. Like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it was because I don't think it was its actual. I think it was its feathers. I need to. I haven't. I haven't still haven't checked that. I need to oh, actually. That's but yeah. cool. But it was very cool. Yeah. Um, what else? Saw a few snakes. Cooker. I just love kookaburras. They're my favourite. Kookaburras. My favourite birds right. now. Yeah. They sound like a they monkey. Have a nice singing, they? they sound like a monkey. Oh basically. really? Yeah. It's. They, that's awesome. And being woken up by one of those right above your tent, you know about it. Yeah. So I've actually Not got. Too early, I hope. I've got a recording on my phone of it. That's now my ringtone. Oh, awesome. And my alarm clock in the morning. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's very very <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's a nice alarm. Not just. Uh, exactly. Can't be like horrible. Digital chimes that seems to be on my phone. Yeah, get rid of that, man. You do. Just go record some nature. I don't think I can match that. Yeah. (laughs) Nature's outside the house. I mean, (laughs) uh, some sirens or (laughs) some foxes mating. None of those are moving sounds. Not quite as good. Yeah. 
I'll have to click on that one. <laughs> Get out of the city, man. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, when I was down for that course in Brighton, yeah. um, there's an Earthship there, which is it's the first one built in the UK, which they built it all with, like, sustainable zero-carbon footprint. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was lovely. Like, I really noticed that was palpable was the kind of positive, almost like energy, just atmosphere of the place, like mm. calm and nice and nurturing. And there were just the wildlife there, like the birds. There was such a kind of cacophony of all these different birds, and it was just lovely yeah. to Amazing. to substitute that for the sound of the city, from the sound of the city for a yes. few days. So. Definitely. <coughs> yeah. So this guy is yeah, vapor genie, pretty cool. This one is like a uh, glass Sherlock vape. So. You open up this top piece, which is kind of like a glass, small nodule with a right. carbon filter within it. You lift okay. that open and then you put the oven in there. This is the first time you're using it. And what I've noticed is you could potentially pack that oven like it's pretty full. Couldn't it's you? big space. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I'm thinking with your one because that that airizer that lasted quite a long while. Yes. Oh right. Yeah. So it's still quite a small oven, but like it's just it's vaped that. Yeah. That bud like very evenly. Yeah. It has, so yeah. So it's made like, you know, it's, it's maximised, you know, what was in there. It's pretty efficient, yeah. And then with, with this, you kind of, you don't want to put the flame towards the vape directly. You kind of just supply the flame next to it. Right. And as you inhale, the flame just gets kind of drawn into the carbon filter without touching the edges. And the carbon just dissipates the heat, does it? So what happens is the, the hot air goes in, it mixes with ambient cold air, and it brings it to the you know the temperature range that's going to cause vaporization of the bud. So you the, the way that you control the temperature is of course the time variable. Okay, right. So smaller amounts of time of like inhaling and passing the heat through will be the lower end of the spectrum where yeah. you won't get much vapor, but you will get the terpenes mm. and you know the first few compounds from the plant starting to evaporate. The taste. The taste, yeah. yeah. And then as you supply the flame for longer you get like more of the compounds obviously evaporating uh, you mm. start to get more of the vapor um yeah but yeah I'm, i hear really good things about this so i'm kind of quite excited to this is the it. first time you tried first it. time i'm ever trying it cool. yeah and there's a learning curve to this but i i have the smaller one the wooden yeah um the wooden one over there so it's be the same kind of technique but cool let's give it a go it's definitely a nice looking bit of kit So I like how you can see the kind of smoke in this one because it's glass as well, which is yeah, which is nice. Wanna oh, thank you, mate. Give it a whirl. Cheers. What are we, what's it kind in of there? helps to tilt the vape a little bit, like at an angle. Okay. Like, to, yeah, that also I find it is a pineapple Kush. Uh huh. Yeah. Sounds, sounds very tasty. Yeah, that's it. That's perfect. Very nice hit. You, you did that amazingly well for that yeah. first, first time there because it's a slightly different technique. Wow, you've got a really good. That's a really nice cloud, yeah. yeah. Smoke powder there. And I, I really like how you just see everything as it's happening because it's all. Glass. That is. Yeah. No, that's very good. I think that's the best non electric vaporizer I've tried. Yeah, that's nice. Smooth. Yeah. using that again not like the most portable piece I don't think this would be great with your cycling that wooden one would be great but um, yes. this one yeah it's more of a 
statement piece. You know, I'd have that out on my yeah my table. Not particularly. Yeah, you're right. On the road, but that would get broken pretty quickly. I think. Yeah. Unless you had a yeah, if you've had a good case for it, that'd be okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But still, like I say, you know, I guess you want to be packing light on these trips. I mean, how long was your your journey in total? In t- well, as in, until I got home, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, two years, basically, just over two years. Yeah. Amazing! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Spent um, the first six months, well, first eight months actually in Europe. I did wedge a ski season in there as well. I love my stone skiing, um, as we were discussing cool. earlier on. Yeah. You're, you're a border. Um, yeah, I, I, skiing, stone skiing is very much like stone cycling for me. It's just a beautiful experience. And the both if it, both activities I really like, but weed enhances them as it does most other things. So, yeah, great. <laughs> I spent, I'd, I'd done, I'd never really got to the level of skiing that I, I always wanted to. So I knew that this, doing a season was the only really only way to do that. So yeah, got myself a, a nice little gig in a, a ski chalet. So whereabouts were you skiing? In Les Arcs, in France. Oh, great. Yeah, I've been there many times. Have you? Yeah, which, which level were you at? Valandry. Valandry? You know, the, yeah. Which, okay. Well, I've not been there in a few years, but... Yeah. Because they do have it's like elevations. They have 1900, 1950s. Yeah. So Valandry is quite near the Van Moor Express. Right, okay. Just the Van Moor Express... Area is where Ballandry is. Nice. Uh, is Ballandry. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so, uh, I got myself a sweet gig there where I was basically I had to do airport transfers one day a week and I skied six days a week. Oh, it was awesome. That's yeah. ideal. Yeah. Nice. So, so that was good. Took a little cheeky ski break between cycling. I did. Yeah, I did. I uh, yeah, I had a, had a very nice time there, um, perfecting my skiing, and then April came and uh, got back on the road and headed off for, for Italy initially. Uh, met with a, one of, a friend I'd met on the ski season in Turin. Uh, he sorted me out <laughs> for the rest of my Italian adventure. Had a month touring around Italy, down to Rome, and then back up to uh, San Marino, uh, to Venice and Trieste, and then up into Slovenia. Oh, I really recommend Slovenia. Like, really? Yeah, it's, it's the, 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 liberal, the most liberal corner of the former Yugoslavia, basically. Very oh, okay. great little weed scene there in Ljubljana. Yeah. Nice. Very cool place. Cool. Yeah, so check, check that place out if you get a chance. Yeah. Then headed, uh, headed east to Zagreb, uh, Croatia, uh, which is quite a lot stricter on weed, actually. What it's Croatia is? Croatia and uh, Serbia. Not cool on weed at all. I'm just getting the map out, because I, I like being able to visualise this as you, yeah. as you say it. So, uh, so Slovenia, so you, I can see Italy. You went from Italy. Yep. Around into here, east into Slovenia. That's right, and okay. then basically due east to Zagreb. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what, like more? Are the laws there stricter, or do you think the culture there is different as well? Bit of both. That there is certainly weed culture there, but there, there, for example, there was somebody tried to open a a bong shop, you know, like a typical head shop type thing that we've had here for years in Zagreb, but that was shut down by the police really? very quickly, oh yeah. Gosh, yeah, that doesn't sound great. Yeah, but having said that, I, uh, in Zagreb, there's, there's, there's a counterculture there, like I, I was invited to do a, a radio show there on the Student FM thing, um, which is pretty good, um, that, and that, they were really, there's, so there's definitely a scene there, you know, it was, it was a weed radio show. Oh, right, nice. So yeah. they'd heard about Healthy Stoner. Yeah, because yeah. there was a guy in Spain who uh, has a blog called dopesmoker.co.uk, and he basically he did a, he promoted my blog on his blog. I did a little video saying, hey, stoners of the world, let's get stoned together. 
come, I'm coming to your town. Kind oh, of thing. Cool. Yeah, and nice. so these guys in Serbia like, yeah, come to Serbia. We want to show you the Serbian weed scene. And they were amazing. So met people through the blog in um, Belgrade. Uh, and then, so this is, uh, yeah, Belgrade. And then um, down into Krušević uh, here, which is, is a really interesting little place. Right. It's basically kind of the home of Serbian mythology. Like their, their Winchester kind of thing. You know, like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, steeped in history yeah culture. big battle happened there with like Prince Lazar and the, yeah there's a wow a very uh, patriotic bunch the Serbs are they? <laughs> yeah yeah they, there's a, a level of uh, in a good way? Uh, no probably not to be honest I mean they <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong the, the Serbs I met all, of, all, of, all the Serbs I met were lovely but um, I heard stories of um uh, you know, kind of a kind of a level of uh, nationalism. You know, going down to the river and singing songs about Serbia, drinking, you know, drinking like the, the local booze and that, you know that kind of thing, yeah. like, which is pretty full on nationalism, right? Wow, cool. Yeah. Right, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah. having said, you know, there are two sides to every coin, right? And of course. The, Serb, the Serbs that I met uh, met some fantastic friends there, and good. yeah. I had a really good time. Nice, and I, I'm like kind of casually flicking along as you reel off this list of places, failing to kind of appreciate, you know, you know the actual scale of this, whereas, like, <laughs> you know, one small section of the screen counts for 75 miles. <laughs> so, like, how, how many miles were you covering on average, would you say, like, each day? Would it vary, or would you try and keep it consistent? No, completely varied, man. Like, um, the most I did was 150 uh, through like that was you know, a day that was a night and a day basically um, and at least you know maybe 10 miles but you know that was kind of all yeah 10 miles but then that was kind of all uphill that was in Nepal right. so yeah like it, I would say average 50 to 70 like it's but that's pretty good going, as long really. as you've got the light as, as long as you you know the sun's setting fairly late but the problem I had in Australia was it, it was the winter so you had short days and you've got to pack a lot in, so that the, the amount of light basically dictates how much how much you can get done. Got it. Right. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you could I guess put lights and stuff on inside, but and I did. Yeah. I, I I would cycle into the night, you know, quite often because I wanted to just you know get that little bit further. And I, I've got lights, I've got high vis jacket and everything. Yeah. I did. I felt safe, but yeah, obviously it's better to, to do it in the daytime. It's just Taking more fun. Exactly. You yeah. can't see anything at night, and it's That's cold. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, that dampens the experience a little. Yeah. So, where did you go then from Serbia? To Macedonia, which is a stunning country. Right. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, it was, that was a dry period, actually. Couldn't get any weed there. Um, so, uh, but it was, I still had a fantastic time. Um, How uh, would you kind of try and find your weed? Just really, Would it be a case of, like, <laughs> you know, asking, finding someone who you think yeah. fit the bill? Kind of yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I would shamelessly just go and ask anyone, basically, uh, wherever I was. Nice. Um, uh, at one point, the, the, the one place I had the, worst, the, the most trouble picking up was New Zealand, actually. There oh, I've heard that. Yeah. 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 There, there was like this massive drought when I was there, as soon as I landed there from, uh, from India. And I ended up having to, basically, I had, I had some healthy stone of business cards made before I left the UK. Nice. So I was basically just pimping myself out on the, on the street <laughs> corner, saying, look, I'm cycling around the world, I'm, I need some weed, this is my thing, can you just... And so like, and that's how I got it in the end. I just spent a day on a street corner, nice. not, not so selling weed, but trying to buy Zealand. it. 
found it in the found end. It in the end yeah. But it was really expensive and, and low crappy. quality. Yeah. yeah. The first bit I got well, actually no. went mouldy because I was camping. Uh, yeah, it was geez. a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you need to get Bavida to sort you out on your next uh, your next trip, you know? Yeah. Like, shout out to them. They've got these little humidity packs. Okay. So you just stick it in with your with your bun and it run it um, it regulates the humidity so they have different percentages and I think they have one that's like sixty two percent or something. It's it's perfect for uh, yeah keeping your bun fresh. Excellent. I I ended up doing a kind of DIY version of that and buying some like dehumidifying crystals and just sticking it next to it and it, it did just totally dry out. Nice. And so yeah, rescued it. Perfect. Yeah. And then from Macedonia, where I was, where I was next? Macedonia, um, down to Greece, basically. I went to stay with uh, another friend of mine on the island of Kefalonia. Nice. Yeah, which is very nice. Had a little Beautiful. break there. So did you, you had to, did you get the boat? Yeah, from from, yeah, from, from here, I think. Was it here, I think, yeah. Okay. Um, I had a little holiday there and then continued. Um, so I had like a couple of weeks off there kind of thing. Then continued... Uh, east to Athens and uh, I was I basically decided to not do the Middle East right. <laughs> um, I'd like to I would like to do it I mean there it's I've had I've heard stories of people going through countries like um, Uzbekistan and being strip searched at the border and then going through your phone for li- literally a photo of weed and you're in prison kind wow of thing. no yeah so oh my gosh so you know, yeah, probably want to avoid that. It's not really chilled vibes. It's is my it? first stoner weed tour. You know, that, that's 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 advanced level. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on uh, beginner at the moment, or I'd say maybe intermediate now. That's <laughs> it, yeah, I'm a beginner. Yeah. <laughs> beginner's got me to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I didn't. So I ended up flying from uh, Athens to southern India. I'd always India was the one. Like I wanted to go and do India properly. So yeah, I, took, I flew to. Um, Cochin, uh, and then cycled down to Kanyakumari, which is the very southern point of India, and started basically a, a lap of India, which is what I did over six months. I rode up the west coast, uh, and then up to Nepal, uh, up into the Himalayas a bit, to a place called Muktanar, and then down, so yeah, up to, through Rajasthan, up to Nepal, and up to about 4,500 metres altitude in the Himalayas. Wow. And then... Uh, yeah, then basically back down, down the east coast, back so to the southern tip. How was the cycling? Is it good cycling now? Uh, in in India, it yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, the first two weeks, I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna die. <laughs> uh, in what way? In the the roads are so different to how they are anywhere else I'd ever been. Basically, in terms of what quality, in terms, busyness. In terms of hecticness, um, so just on a basic level. Horns are used generally in anger or annoyance or, you know, hurry up in the UK, right? In India, it's just, I'm here, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so people just on, honk the horn. It's just loud. So it's loud, it's hectic. The, the, the fumes from the vehicles are much more dense. There's a lot more pollution. Um, the, the rules of the road are, are more relaxed. So, like, on a, a dual carriageway, it's perfectly acceptable for a car to be coming towards you on the, on the wrong side. <laughs> and in that sense, and you don't know what to do in that when it happens the first time. Yeah. But what the rules, it, or the, the way it works, is you go into the traffic and they take the inside. That, but you don't know until you're there. Wow. So, so it was scary for the first two weeks. Um, but and cycling like that as well, you know, like, 
least in a car, you rightly or wrongly feel like you have some semblance of protection because mm. of that big chunk of metal between you and the yeah. you know the other big chunk of metal. So on a bike, you're exposed to that, right? Yeah. On the flip side, though, the traffic speed is a lot slower than it is here. You know, there's no nobody hoons around at fifty to seventy miles an hour in in India. It's uh, unfortunately I worry about that happening once once cars become more mainstream there, but. At the moment, it goes. Everyone's kind of at a nice, leisurely pace where they, you can stop in time. People, you know, people could stop in time if something happens. So, yeah. And everyone, you know, everyone is pretty careful, even though, you know, it's slightly more chaotic. But the, yeah, it it sounds like a cliche, but that place changed me, man. It like you go. Oh, so right. It's just, it's difficult to put put into words, but on a on a deep level, like it's. You travel in India. It's it's travel. It's it's not all. It's not fun all the time. It's not being on holiday. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. But the people there are just amazing. I just I thought that absolutely I had just so much love from Indian people all the way around. The food is incredible. Like I just love people. I I just loved eating the curry every single day. You know, it was always different and always delicious. Um, the landscape, um, Rajasthan, just stunning place. If you get a chance, to go there. Really, just just amazing. Really, the history there as well. Just the the forts and the the architecture that was built hundreds of years ago. Incredible. So yeah, just and then Nepal was like the metaphorical and physical icing on the cake. Right? It was just the north of India had been quite. It it had been it was the time of the year where they were burning all the crops. So there's quite a thick smoke in the air quite, and the, the sun wasn't getting through and it seemed like the day I crossed into Nepal blue skies opened up yeah. and it was got some really sick hash the first time I was there the first day I was there did you? Oh, so yeah it took a while to, to learn how to vape actually but I'm yeah not... how, did you, how did you do it? well you, you end, what you have to do is in, in this it's pretty simple you just hold, hold it upside down you just put the hash in there and instead of having it like that so it, you know, it doesn't gack up the the actual unit you just hold it upside down and yeah what's well, the treat when you take when yeah you like, have to oh right okay cool I yeah, don't think that's it's a pretty simple solution to do it isn't it exactly yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not even sure it's designed for that but it, it works vapes, yeah it, it varies from vape to vape with, with hatch I yeah you can put like a oh, it's like a it's like cotton bud or, or, or like this I forget what it's called it looks like you know if you were to like kind of unravel a a cotton bud you know? yeah um, but like a wool kind of thing if you wrap you, you know, put um, that before and after so you'd sandwich the hash between that mm. apparently that can work quite well in vapes but like I'm, I'm yet to try it I rarely I rarely have hash yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's difficult to get by to come by here isn't it yeah, yeah. I like it though when I go to Amsterdam I always um, I always take a little bit yeah um, from the coffee shops there can I do you save your vape pod? Your vape poo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I've got an absolute mountain of it back at home in Bristol. But um, I haven't. Uh, I need to make some can of butter. I've chatted to my friend who I'm staying with in Stratford. Uh, to, well, I stayed with last night. He's got one of those. Uh, he's well into his cooking. Like, um, he loves his chefing. He's got one of those water bath things. Right. Apparently, they're the best. One of them. One of them in vacuum packing butter in with all the vape poo, leaving that to. St- to sit for like 12, 14 hours. Right. Because apparently if you do it on a hob, 
on you're just in a saucepan or something it's too hot so yeah you'd have to do it that's the mistake I made I tried it a few weeks back mm. and I just put it I set it on like two or three and then forgot about it for a few hours yeah and it was boiling away when I got back and I knew I tried I tried I made capsules with like coconut oil yeah and uh, yeah they don't do anything like the yeah she's long gone yeah burned out of there I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm no expert on it, actually. I need to brush up on the, on the vape poo-age. I suppose you can't really do much with it when you're on the road, really. Like, I mean, I saved up a lot. and had uh, We made some cookies in, uh, in the ski season, which was quite fun. It just, that was just literally putting the vape poo in with the cookie mix. Oh, nice. Worked a treat. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you've already vaped it, right? So it should theoretically already be, like, activated. Yeah. Um, but the it, way you kind of heat... But to use edibles with to decarb it, you yeah, know, like that should have already been done. Um, yeah, yeah. The, nice. the only downside of that is it does it does this give me a little bit of indigestion, right? And if other people as well. And I think it's because of the kind of the raw plant. You haven't really it's that raw plant material in there that's not particularly easily digestible. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, next time I'm going to try it again. We'll make those. Just I wanted to select little capsules with coconut oil, but like infused because it's. I really like edibles when you get the dosage right they're just absolutely amazing and even for micro dosing as well true you know, i'm a big believer in that yeah so i'll try it again but i'll i'll make sure i'm heating it way more gently like kind of similar to how you heat chocolate i think yes you know, something, something yeah like that yeah um, um yeah it's gonna make more sense to do gonna make yeah i'm gonna bring all my uh, vape poo to his next time and get that sorted out nice that'll be cool I've actually got a, two different pots of it. I've got sort of a medium grade and high grade vape poo. Oh really? Yeah. Different strains. Of yeah. Vape. Oh. I'm gonna use my little wooden one. So how long have you been doing your website, mate? Um, two years now. Well, not quite yeah. that long actually. Grove Street Journal. For, oh, Grove Street Journal, yeah, is very recent, really. I think yeah. I've had, it's been in play for about six months. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I remember it was the start of the year. Around Christmas time, I had some time away with my girlfriend in a nice little cottage in Cornwall, and we were just kind of chilling, working on our own stuff. And it was around that time I started thinking about, you know, wanting to do something around cannabis that was going to help to change people's perspectives on the plant um, and seek to kind of humanise it and normalise it. Mm. Um, and so and what I, the way it started out was I, um, I emailed a bunch of customers from my store and um, I said, you know, do, would you use cannabis like in a medicinal capacity? Because, you know, get in touch with me, I want to hear your story. Um, and a couple of people kind of emailed and I ended up going down and visiting one guy uh, in Essex and basically interviewing and hearing his story and I recorded it and I took it back and I wrote it all up into like a extended written blog post um, interviewing this, this guy called Stuart who um, he had like chronic spine pain, he had like liver sclerosis um, and cannabis was the only thing that was that was effective at like giving him any semblance of like pain relief and basically giving him his life back yeah. without turning him into a zombie. Um, so you know that was my first experience, like first hand of just 
understanding how useful this plant can yeah. be, you know, and that people actually depend on it for medicine. Mm. Like they actually depend on it. Yeah. Um, and so I knew then, like, I wanted to do more of that kind of thing. Um, you know, but the act of writing up that story, it took fucking ages, like ages. Obviously, I still had a full-time job then, and you know, writing up like an hour of talking, but like editing it for coherence, and you know, it took a long time. And it was good, I'm glad I did it. But I was like, well, how can I convey this messaging without like having to, such a time resource attached to it? Yeah. I was like, well, shit, like podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the exact same thing, except I don't have to write it up at the end. I was like, shit, yeah, podcast. There you go. Yeah. So I, I reached out to a few people I'd met at the Canatech like conference last year. Yeah. Uh, one lovely lady called Constance Finley, who runs a cannabis company called Constance Therapeutics from California. Like she had an autoimmune disease, like cured herself from it, and worked out like a CO2 extraction method to extract the oil without using chemicals. Right. And now she kind of consults and helps others that were in the position she was in. Yeah. Um, so kind of, yeah, heard her story and got in touch with a few of the local cannabis clubs in England. So it's, you know, just aiming to get a real cross section of different people and nice. different uses. And yeah. um, talked to Gav Lawson, who runs the hemp trading company. Right. So they do like hemp clothes, very involved with like this kind of socio-economic ethical movement in the UK. Um, very cool, mate. Yeah, it's very been cool. like amazing and it's just, I love getting to meet all of all of you guys and <laughs> chat to you, find out your stories. I'll tell you what, I really enjoyed that as well. Actually, coming back to the UK, I've, I've was really looking forward to getting just meeting people in the cannabis activism scene kind of thing. And I've been been to a couple of Bristol cannabis club meetings now, and they're a really good bunch actually. Really doing some cool stuff. Those guys are proper connoisseurs, you know, like they they know their weed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's amazing to see, like even in this country, you know, the scene is. It's moving along. It's it's evolving. It's becoming more refined. And you're right. There really are some connoisseurs doing some, yeah. some amazing things out there. They, the dabs were there actually. You know, had a, had, that was the only time, the only other time I've had to go on the dabs, uh, which was there. That was pretty cool. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Nice. yeah, I'm looking forward to some more when I when I go out to Canada actually. Just swap. Kind of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The swapsies. <laughs> so it's the same the same sort of thing. Exact same. Yeah. Excellent. I like this one. Oh, yeah, that's my go-to pipe, yeah. man. It's just easy, quick, and old school as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I always joke. I feel like Gandalf. Like, yeah. I feel my IQ like rising as I'm speaking at this. A lot of people would just think that's a pipe. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, tilt it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I usually tilt. It. That's why I've kind of like skewed the mouthpiece to the side a bit. Yeah, like, yeah. Good plan. Nice, yeah. You're better. You're better at hitting that thing than me, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Years of practice on the bomb. Nice, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. There you go. I've always been spiffed mainly, but yeah. Yeah, the edibles, man. They're 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 big for the future. Yeah. Um, I, the best experience I've had was some THC honey from a dispensary in, in Canada. Nice. Um, oh man, yeah, like one teaspoon of that on, your tea. Had they? had the bees munched on weed or had uh, they introduced the THC you know that is an amazing question like I've never <laughs> thought of that that's so right I don't know I imagine that it will have been infused yeah. post bee that's um, the easier thing isn't it yeah, yeah. 
but I'm sure I've seen videos of like THC beehives and all this like I think that does exist must be possible yeah but I reckon this one was just the old like grab some honey get some THC <laughs> you mix them in yeah but it was gorgeous <laughs> such nice. a nice well rounded kind of feeling you know nice man cheers yeah I really like that plate it's very nice it's good isn't it yeah, yeah. So it sounds like Nepal and India were definite highlights of uh, Nepal, yeah, I, I didn't realise before I went there that it was previously the Amsterdam of Asia before Prohibition was forced on it by the US in the 70s. Oh, really? Yeah, really, really strong cannabis uh, scene there, which persists today to the point where it's still it's legal on one day a year for holy purposes, for religious uh, purposes. Nice. <laughs> Just hope that's crazy. It, it's, it's, it's bizarre and illogical, but... Yeah. The only reason it is illegal is because the US made it made them make it illegal, so there's a big push now oh, to man, that's such let them make it legal. Does that include again. hemp as well, I think, does it? Probably, I don't know. I, I'm not, not sure. Yeah. But, like, it was, the, like, the best hash I've ever tried. I think they, they're well-renowned. Then Nepali hash is fairly well-renowned, right? Yeah, I'm sure I've, I've heard of these guys, like, they, in the plants as well. Something grows so big, these plants, they just literally, while they're growing, they rub their hand, like, along the leaf yeah. and, like, roll it up, and they've just got some That's it. hash there. Like, yeah. Fresh off plant. That's it, it's yeah. It's incredible. I'd love Beautiful. to see that. Yeah, and the one the one plant I did see it growing, uh, growing wild in northern India after coming down from Nepal back into kind of yeah northern India just south of Nepal, just cycling along and I could smell it. I knew I could smell it, but I, and yeah, just growing everywhere, just all on the on the verges. And I, I stopped and I got this, got some great shots of these kids just playing in weed. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't got to quite, haven't quite got to that on the blog yet, but I'll go oh, out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still like going going through the material and then like putting it out there and. Well, basically, yeah, it's pretty much impossible to. I I found it really difficult to be able to to do the ride and like blog at the same time. Oh, for sure, like, and I like could, the yeah. content takes a lot of time yeah. to do well. I mean, right? I enjoyed the making the videos and and writing. I did a lot of writing while I was doing it, but that's the limit. I couldn't edit video or like you know I just you know, sure. because yeah. day off you do, you you're bloody exhausted you know you you really just need to rest yeah and, um, so anyway yes yeah, so I'm really enjoying I'm you know I'm working full time at the moment but um, I'm also enjoying working on the blog in the evenings and at weekends you know on the on the side keeps me keeps me sane yeah um, so is this something you do part time is it something you'd like to you know move I'd, into yeah, hundred percent. I'd love that to be my life, but um, you know, it takes time, and you, while you can dream, you've got to face reality. Bills don't pay themselves. So yeah, I'm working full time at the moment, doing a doing a sales job, which uh, paying the bills, but it's not it's not where I want to be really. So yeah, the, the dream would be obviously to to turn you know to somehow support myself in the blog. But. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck. But you know, I, I think you've you've got a good foundation to do that. So <laughs> yeah. do your colleagues kind of know about your they don't. They no. don't, and I think I think I'd probably get fired if they found out. Do you I do think mm. that. Yeah. Do you say? Has it ever come up with them? You know, do you, do you have any sense of of their perception towards it? I think I think the people I directly work with probably wouldn't mind. Yeah. But I think the company as a whole, like the the, the people, you know, the people at the top would. Yeah. And so yeah, and then, and so as a result, the people next to me would as well because yeah. they have to. Of course, yeah. So it's a really tough one, isn't it? You know, like perceptions are changing, but not quite quick enough sometimes. And no, and especially in the professional world as well, it's really looked down upon. I think. Yeah. Which is such hypocrisy when alcohol is so 
accepted and excessively used excessively in arenas, used. right yeah, yeah. it's uh, it really it's is abused I, in I, fact yeah I do think there will be you know lots of people in the corporate world that are responsible contributing that love a toke instead of a, a drink um, but they you know they can't talk about it and therefore yep. you know the stereotype or the perception mm. continues because you know the people that that are there can't necessarily talk about it yeah but I guess at least I don't get drugs tested. Some people do, don't they? Some mm. people have to do that. Yeah. It could be worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that would um, be it, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, was, was, like, Nepal, was there anywhere else you went back? Was that the end of the trip? Or? Oh, no, no. So from there, um, so I carried on down back to the southern tip of India, to Kanyakumari. So I completed oh, right. my lap. Okay. But, but that down the east coast that time. Yeah. Which is different, actually. I, east, I didn't really fully realise before I went that East India was where the, the British Empire was really so that was the kind of most British bit of India that I went to which is quite weird just cricket's massive there and like uh, yeah. yeah and all the way around India there was there was only one guy that was slightly weird with me for being you know British kind of thing English um, because of the empire but everyone else was loved seemed to love Britain and England and the royal family as well actually now, you know I'm not, I'm not particularly pro-royal mm. but out there, I kind of went along with it a bit. It was like, you know, okay, cool, you fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you'd, yeah, if you'd feel like you know what you what have mean? to, if they're left there, if, if they love really you so much, it, yeah. I'm not gonna like piss on their bonfire. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same though. I find I don't really get excited by no. things such as royal weddings. No. Like, you know, I'm happy for them, but yeah. I, you know, I'm not gonna go out and celebrate. It doesn't no. affect my life in any way. Yeah, that's no. it. Yeah. yeah, but good for arguments them. for and against having a royal family. So we all know Harry's a toker, though, don't we? He's definitely he's had a, a split or two in his time. Oh, he must have done. Yeah, he must have done. Yeah, I can't blame the man. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you go after you you oh, yeah. back round? So can you Kamari? Um, then uh, I was, I, uh, the whole the whole trip was pretty much unplanned, really. So I was I had been thinking about going through uh, Myanmar into um, Thailand that way, and then doing Southeast Asia through there. Um, but what? Basically, you, you had to. There was a rule that came in in, in Myanmar that you, you had to leave by the same port that you entered. So you basically precluded cycling. Oh, right. So I thought to myself, well, I, I wanted to. I thought not many people had done a lap of India. I wanted to sort of do that, finish that off. Uh, and then I flew from there to New Zealand. And unfortunately, I was struck. But I once I got to New Zealand because I've been taking an antibiotic as an anti-malarial all the way around India. Once I stopped taking that and got to New Zealand, the parasite, it turned out I'd be carrying with me the whole way around India, really flared up. Oh, no. And I'd lost, you know, a lot of weight, and I was just a skin and bone. So I'd, I'd cycled North Island, north, top to bottom, but um, I ended up at... I hadn't seen my mum and dad in a year, and they, they came out and had a little holiday in a camper van, so I just jumped in a camper van with them and did oh, the South Island. So that was really nice, yeah. just to have a bit of time with the, the parents. Amazing. So, and that was... I needed a bit of recharge then anyway, because the plan was to fly to Australia and, and cycle across Australia, so that's how I finished it. <laughs> what a journey, journey yeah. of a lifetime. It was, yeah. Started in Perth, uh, and, and Perth to Melbourne, Melbourne to Cairns is the easy way to say it. Do you think you returned a different man? Yes, 100%, yeah. Um, I, I think things worry me less now, you know? Um, maybe it puts things into perspective a bit. Um, at the same time, it gives me, I have the yearning for the road, like I miss it really quite a lot. 
Um, it's just a, it's a fantastic lifestyle. It's real freedom, you know, just traveling under your own steam with everything you need, including food, water, your bed, shelter, weed, <laughs> the your laptop yeah. to watch some, a film. You know, I did it. I did reasonably luxury, actually. I had, a, I had like, stuff. I had TV to watch every night. I'd watch a little episode of, I don't know, Game of Thrones or whatever. And oh, amazing. That's, that's the both worlds. Exactly, yeah. yeah. A little chill chill time in the evening and, and days of just ranging across countries in the day. Yeah, it was... Sounds absolutely incredible. It was, mate. Yeah. So, um, still putting content out there. I look forward to, to consuming that. Is there anything else kind of big in the pipeline? Well, yeah, I've, I would love to, to carry on the, the adventure. There's a lot more of the world to see. You know, south to North America would be the, the obvious choice, really, you know, because there's a lot of good weed the whole way, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I got chatting to a guy on the Bristol to Bath Cycle Park recently who's, who'd done a bit of Mexico, and he told me that the whole way along um, this highway along Mexico, the, it kept, the, the road workers kept beckoning him over for a joint all the way up this stretch of yeah in Mexico so that's, that was just Mexico nice yeah so uh, yeah south to North America ending in Canada would be yeah. pretty amazing all bud rich yeah. places I'm sure as well as exactly. Canada so. yeah California yeah yeah incredible. you're going to hear all the good spots yeah ah. so that yeah saving up for that cool yeah. amazing <laughs> really look forward to it thanks very much well, thank- it's been a pleasure talking to you Francis well. excellent thank you very much thank you